All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel with a special guest today that's been on my list for a while. It's hard to run him down up in that that far north country, Mike Monin. How's it going, Mike? Outstanding, bud. How are you? Oh, not too bad. Just uh, just working on my 12-ounce curls to get ready for sheep hunting, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in fantastic sheep shape. I get my stitches out today. Nice, yeah. You just had surgery, I, surgery like what a week ago, <laughs> two weeks ago. Yeah, fourteen days ago, I had shoulder surgery, so I'm gonna have to figure out how to carry my pack on one shoulder. Yeah, well, I'm sure you've been through a little harder, harder, harder stuff than that. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah, lots of people have it lots rougher than me, so I won't complain at all. Yeah, I'm not really sure if I had shoulder surgery because I didn't actually put any pictures on Facebook, so I'm not sure it happened. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth, man. Well, and you're one of those guys that, like, I mean, I see you on there stirring up shit all the time. You're probably you're probably one of the like people either love you or hate you, or there's not too many in between. But <laughs> uh, oh, some, yeah, well, some, some of that shit's so funny. I'm, well, everybody just takes everything too dang serious. I mean. It's, I, you know what? I was reluctant to get on Facebook ever from the beginning because I'm just not a computer guy or phone guy or whatever, but it, it's a neat platform. It's really cool. It's a great way to communicate, great way for us to share stuff. It's a great place to save pictures. Yeah. You know, but man, everybody thinks nobody's got a sense of humor anymore. Oh, that's the it's truth, just, man. I mean, good grief. Let's have some fun. Yeah, hypersensitive. I mean, well, just the other day, there was one like on all those pages, like one, it was like the one of the caribou pages it's like does anyone know where they're at on the or where the denali herd is on the high on the denali highway i'm like or does anyone know where the denali highway herd is or something like that and i'm like well if i was a bet man i'd say somewhere along the denali highway (laughs) didn't think that was very funny oh it was just a bunch just a bunch of assholes on here (laughs) and people will just get so i mean i was in valdez one time working and there was a guy in there buying some shells and he was out in the, in the fishing store there and I forget I was buying something to go fishing. He was in front of me. It was August and he was buying some shells to go shoot a caribou. Yeah. And he's like, well, well, you know, he's trying to figure out what road to get to, to get, and he'd come from Anchorage and he's trying to figure out where to go to get to the caribou. And I'm, and I mean, they were making the biggest deal out of it. I'm like, bud, there, there's three roads in the whole state and you've been on two of them to get here. Yeah. Like <laughs> you, you can't get lost. go up the road and either go North or go South. That's all you can really do. And, he just got all pissed off. I'm like, first of all, no one's going to tell you. If you can't even figure that out, no one's going to tell you where the caribou are at to start with. Oh, yeah. Go find them. That's part, of the fun. That's part of the fun. Go hunting. Go find them. Go do your research. Oh, Get out yeah. of the truck. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, and so far removed from that, I mean, I want to tell you congratulations. And it, it, congratulations probably isn't even the right word for, for taking that grizzly bear this spring. That's a, oh, that's a cool feat. That, that is phenomenal. I don't think people understand the work and the passion and the everything, the planning that goes into to doing something like that. That's pretty freaking neat, bud. Good job. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was a bit. I knew. I mean, I knew I would be able to do it eventually, but man, it was a little stressful. <laughs> I'm looking forward to just using my regular bow next year. Which, yeah, say that now. I'm getting ready to go bow hiking for sheep, so I'm sure I'll get to walk a long ways and look at a lot of sheep through my spot and scope. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see we'll see how it goes <laughs> archery hunting is fun it's you know my my wife doesn't like me coming home without sheep because she likes to eat them yeah so i made the 
made the conscious effort the last, I don't know, for a long time now. I've been hunting with my muzzleloader. Oh, I love cool. hunting with my bow, but I, I don't bring home enough meat with my bow. I'm not that good. So, <laughs> And the rifle, the rifle's fun, I mean, but it's, I, I like hunting with my muzzleloader. Oh, that's cool. That's what most, most yeah, it's fun. It, it just adds a little bit of, just something extra, you know, and it's just fun. You only get, most time you only get one shot anyway, so you might as well make it count. Yeah, well, and that's kind of, I mean, it's kind of similar to the, the stone point thing with the grizzly bear. More than anything, I just thought it would be cool and, you know, talking to the guy that made them, I knew it would perform well, you know, so I just, I wanted to, it's just, it adds a, a level of unknowns into your, and difficulty into your system, you know, it's not like you can practice with them, and uh, it just kind of reduces the margin of error, makes it a little more challenging, I mean, some people take that the wrong way, think, you know, and argue you shouldn't be doing that, it's like, well, then I guess we should be shooting everything with 50 BMGs. If we don't want to want a chance at getting away, even then. <laughs> but uh, I was gonna before we get too far. No, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's that's just the reality of it. I mean, we're none none of us want to wound an animal or, or make an animal suffer any any more than we have to, and we all want to test our skill. Yep. That's that's all we're doing. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, before we get too far, <laughs> talking about people asking for. You know, the internet people asking for spots and stuff. I don't know if it's just, I think a lot of it's kind of folks that are new and naive, like, because they're, you know, and people, those people think, you know, we're all just assholes because we don't share hunting spots. But I'm sure you've seen it every bit as much or more than I have. Like, and I tried to explain, I was like, look, we're not assholes. I was like, but I've seen what can happen to a hunting spot by just casually telling two or three people. And you're wanting to like have some, you're asking the internet to tell you where to go hunting. You know, I mean, it's, it just, there's a reason there's 50,000 people hunting that Nelchina herd the past couple of years. Absolutely. Well, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a sheep guy. I love sheep and I watch that sheep hunting page pretty close. I, I try not to comment much because guys are just so sensitive. And so, I mean, guys get on there talking about boots, you know, and if, if you're, I don't know. I, I hate to be an ass, but if you're asking about boots, but it, it just kills me because we're all trying to put, and I, I've told a couple of guys this, and I always try to go with the private message just because yeah. everybody turns in everything into something stupid, but so I'll private message a guy, but it, 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 we're all trying to put custom made feet into factory made boots just because some legend has killed 27 sheep or a 40 inch Ram and a pair of boots doesn't mean they're going to work for you. Oh, same exactly. goes for his backpack. Same goes, same goes for his sleeping bag. You, you got to get some experience, and there is no shortcuts. You're yeah. going to have to get out here and grind out a couple pairs of boots, or find the, go try on ten different pairs of boots and find the one that fits. And you're going to have to you're going to have to suck it up and buy a couple of backpacks. If you can only afford one, you're just going to have to make that one work. We've all been there, we've all done that, and, and we can tell you our stories. Yeah, but they're not going to make yours any. You got to make your own story. You got to figure out what's going to work for you. Oh yeah, for you sure. Know? And, and I think I think a lot of people want to shortcut that. You guys don't want to do that. Yeah, they do. And they're shortcutting themselves because that's part of that whole learning curve is part of the whole process. And that's one of the things about sheep hunting that I, I think is the appeal is the sweat equity. Oh, you know, yeah. you got to put your time and effort and your heart into it. And that's what makes every one of those sheep special, uh-huh. even the easy ones. Is that, you know, even an easy sheep isn't easy. We talk about them being easy. Oh, you got, got an easy one? Yeah. Even an easy sheep is, is a task. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you think about all the miles and stuff. Like when I started, I remember when I first started, I didn't have anyone to, like, you know, 
hold my hand and take me along, just me and my cousin. You know, I got my uncle was pretty experienced and just kind of gave us a kick in the right direction. But you know, eighty dollar Cabela's boots and I, you know, shoot that saved up for that Cabela's frame pack. I I packed like five Rams out with that thing or six. You know, it just it what it by it's far from ideal gear, but you just kind of you can just get get stuff that'll get you by and make it work. But yeah, so many people oh, I think want to want people to hold their hand and and they want that instant gratification and success. Well, man, like it's you know, it's going to mean a lot more to you if you actually like go work at it. There's people that are willing to help and give you give you some useful information, but it, you kind of got to eventually got to step off that ledge and trust that you can take care of yourself. And that's, that's the learning part. I mean, just like, you know, when I first got here, no, you know, back in the early nineties, no one would help me. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any family. I had nothing. I'd ask guys about sheep hunting. They're like, yeah, they're on top of the hill. You know, Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was up there in, in, in cotton in the rain, getting my ass kicked, you know, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm not much harder now, but the only redeeming quality I have is I'm just not smart enough to quit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hear you there, man. <laughs> Big time, which I guess to back it up a little bit before, you know, um, you, you live up in Barrow or can we call it Barrow anymore? What, what? Uh, I think most of us still call it Barrow, still but Ujavik is the, okay, yeah. is our new name. Yeah. Yeah. That was, wasn't it like a town consent, you know, vote or something to change it to the, <laughs> is that the traditional, like the traditional native name for that place? It is. It's one of them. They they have a couple, and there was actually, unfortunately, a little lawsuit about it, and and a little there there's some contention about what it should have been called or that we should have left it alone, and it, that's all gone. You know, like everything else, it got its five minutes of payment, it went yeah. away. But it, you know, every at most everything still says Barrow. Yeah. You know, and and they're talking about changing a few things and and maybe maybe making it more official. But it's yeah. Yeah, that's uh. It's all good. I, I I just every time I talk to you, I got to give you shit about that. <laughs> so, Absolutely, but, uh, yeah, man. Uh, so, <laughs> like we so don't what, have our hands full with enough stuff. We don't. We, we we don't even know what to call ourselves now. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. that's like everybody else. No one knows what bathroom to use. I mean, how is it any different? Yeah, no, that's the truth, man. Yeah, and for for people that don't know, Barrow, what Barrow is like, basically the most northern point in, I don't know, at least in Alaska, if not North America, isn't it? I, yeah, I, I, I guess I, I don't know the exact. I think well. Come on, you're supposed uh, to know this. A couple shit. of the villages, like <laughs> on. Well, I think I think technically Sacks Harbor in yeah. uh, the Northwest Territories, Nunavut is is a little bit higher than us on the map, but we are definitely the largest far north village in in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, including Russia and Greenland and all those guys. We're the largest. We're the largest community in the Arctic Circle. Yeah, and we are the farthest, farthest north for sure for the United States. Yeah, we're yeah, we're right up on the Arctic Ocean. It's a neat place. Yeah, it's that's one place I I haven't ever been yet. So eventually, one of these days, I'll make it up there. Um, yeah, we're talking like full on polar bear shit, <laughs> wandering. Oh around. yeah, no, it, and I'll tell you, it's it's uh, it really is still a subsistence village. I mean, these guys live the whale. It's what yeah. they do year round. It's and it's a, it's a neat culture to watch. They're they're the most task oriented and patient people I've ever seen. It's it it really is neat to to see it like full. I've been here fifteen years, I guess. So it's I feel like I almost 
got a grip on it. It's they're they're pretty neat. It's, oh, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. That that whaling culture is huge up there. I mean, that's for however many thousands of years that was life for those people. You know. And it, and it still is. That's yeah. kind of the neat thing. Like they're they're obviously modern. We got cars and trucks and n- normal houses and you know people. It's funny. My my wife's moved back and they ask they ask her all the time if she lives in igloo. Like trying to be funny. Yeah. And with a straight deadpan face, she'll just say yes. Because yeah. ig- igloo just means house. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so she'll say yes, and then then, then everybody don't... gets taken back. They're like, they don't know what to think. Yeah. <laughs> so all oh, that that didn't go the way I expected it to. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's, it's pretty funny. Yeah. So you said you've been up, been in the state since like the the early nineties. You said what? What brought you up here? Where are you from? Stuff like that. Stuff I don't even really know about you. You're, you're kind of an enigma. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. That's the way I like to keep it. You're you're out in me here. <laughs> I, uh, I yeah. I, I was born and raised in South Florida in a, just a little bitty town, Vero Beach. I came up, saved up enough money to come caribou hunting when the Mulchatner herd was going off. And yeah. Came up, went caribou hunting, had, had no clue what I was doing. Uh, went home, packed all my stuff, and drove back. Yeah, man, that, you know, I, I would just I'd say that surprised still barely, me. But... Still barely know what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> still barely know what I'm doing, but having a blast. <laughs> yeah, having a blast, and every once in a while you find yourself in the right place at the right time, right? <laughs> that That's all it is, but you, you just got to keep going until you find the right place. Yeah, just be too, too hard-headed, I mean. I don't know, I tell people that with sheep hunting, too, sometimes, you know, you can't, like, because when I, I don't, I don't know about you, when I started, I was always thinking of, like, all right, well, how, and it, it's like the newbie mentality that you see every day on the internet, it's like, oh, well, how far am I going to have to walk, or any of this stuff, like, you let all these things intimidate you, you just got to, like, dumb yourself down to where I'm not going to think about it, I'm just going to go that way and keep going, and worry about getting back later. I figure if you walk, you know, if you walk that far, you can walk back, even if you gotta like stumble and take a couple trips. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my wife is giving me a hard time this year with my shoulder. She's like, "You going to be able to walk in?" And I said, "Well, it always hurts coming out. This year, it's just going to hurt going in." Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that's just all there is to it. You know, it's going to hurt. It's it's a good pain. Yeah. When I was younger. I, I read about my uncle used to ironically big plug for Tyler here when I was a kid my uncle that lived in North Carolina used to always mail me his outdoor lights yeah and that's what I lived for I couldn't wait to get those in the mail my my dad was a fisherman they weren't my parents weren't hunters my granddad wasn't a hunter they were all fishermen but they they all made sure I had BB guns and 22s because I was dying to do it and hunting squirrels and shooting dove and I had a couple of uncles and cousins that were big hunters and they would take me when they could I, I just loved it but I lived to read those outdoor lights you know, so I read the Jack O'Connor stories and, you know, saw, read the sheep hunting stories and all that. And to me, a sheep was this mystical creature that lived on a mountain. Yeah. And even after I killed a couple, they still, to me, were this, you know, I, I still have them on a pedestal. I love them. I think oh, they're neat yeah. things. But at this point, sheep aren't hard to kill. Like, there's there's nothing romantic or, or tough about shooting a sheep. If you can find a legal ram, you can kill it. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not rocket science. No. But it still is something that, there's just no gimmies. It's, it's something that requires a little bit of work, a little bit of planning. I don't care how many times you've done it. It requ- I don't care if you're going on guided hunts, you still got to get out there and put one foot in front of the other and make it happen. Yeah. There's just no gimme. Yeah. So it's, it, it's an earned, it's an earned thing. And I have all the respect in the world for the sheep and, and the goats even more, you know, yeah. they're, they're all, and they're all awesome. You oh, know, yeah. more respect to anybody that gets out there and tries it. 
Yeah, it's funny. You know, you mentioned that it's because I there was definitely a shift nowadays. You know, which is part of the reason I'm taking my bow this year. I mean, getting a legal ram with a rifle is no longer like it's just not a non-issue. You know, barring some crazy weather or something like that. If you're in an area where you know, if I'm, I feel like for myself, if I'm in an area where there's you know, a decent number of sheep, like I am going to get one if I want to shoot one. Um, but I, you know, I, I remember the days where the, at least the first few, maybe it was like after about five, I started getting a lot of confidence, but for the first few, you get one and you're sitting there and, you know, you get it back home and you're reflecting and then come next season, season, you're like, how the hell am I going to do that again? Like it se- just seems impossible. <laughs> But, oh, absolutely. But it's and just you know, that. I, no, go. It, it's kind of fun right now for me that I see these guys on here that have, uh, and guy you just had on a, a kid, a young kid that I have a ton of respect for and under. I really love Jesse Knock. Yeah. You just had on a week or two ago. Yep. You know, I see Jesse, I watch Jesse's posts all the time. And of course, he's, he's one, he's this next generation that's creative and smart and, and he's just a nice guy. Like he oh, can yeah. deal with this stuff on the internet. He's not a grumpy old guy like me. He he can deal with these guys, and he, he does it politely. He does it correctly, and he you know he just gets his point across without having to cuss and scream and want to start a fist fight. Yeah, and, and he just he's just a good dude. But he he's packed and unpacked his backpack already ten times for his next hunt. And I remember when I used to do that. That oh, was awesome. Me too. Now I'm, I mean, I've always been fat, but now I'm old and fat and lazy. I'm just going to pack it once, and that's right before I leave. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I'm to the point. If I forget something, I can. I, I did a hunt a couple of years ago, and actually, I was videoing it. And you know, I have a small gear company, and we take care of some clients. And that's I was shooting a video. I was going to, you know, my big production. I was going to shoot a video for some guys and show kind of run through the process of packing my backpack and how I hunt solo and all this stuff. I got out there. I'm 15 miles out in the middle of the Alaska range and realized I had taken the insoles out of my boots to dry them, oh. and I didn't pack them. So I did an entire I did an entire sheep hunt, a 12 day hunt with no insoles in my boots. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> that's rugged. Yeah, it, 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 yeah, it's just, I mean, it was my own dumb mistake. What was I going to do, quit? Yeah. I just, instead of having an extra pair of socks, I just wore two pair of socks the whole time and had to get her done. That's just how it goes. I mean, that's, and that's the thing. Like, all this gear is awesome. Yeah. And you hear guys say all the time, well, yeah, our, our predecessors did it in, in flannel shirts or Filsons or whatever. Well, at that time, it was the best gear they had. They, those guys all used the best gear they had. We just have have access to more gear nowadays, and I don't I don't know that it makes you a better hunter. I think if it makes you more confident, or if you think you're going to be warm and dry, that it gives you the confidence to stay. Yeah, I know. I I I'm never warm or dry. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm warm, but I'm never dry because I sweat too bad. Yeah, you know, I'm going to be wet. I'm wet before I ever get out of the super cub ninety yeah. percent of the time. <laughs> you know, that just oh, and yeah. that's why most hunts in Alaska fail. I mean, that's, that's what I have to coach all my guys on. In Alaska, you're going to be wet. I don't care if it's rain, sweat, snow, falling in the river, whatever it is, you're going to be wet. And most guys, mentally, when they get wet, about the second or third day they're wet, they're done. They're just oh, not yeah. used to dealing with it. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's the same thing with, with knowing it's going to hurt or knowing you have to get over that next ridge. There, you know, I've been to the top of a few mountains. I haven't been on top of one yet. There, there was a guy handing out an award for the first guy there. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> It's not a race. I, you don't need to run a 100-mile marathon. You don't got to be an ultra athlete. And more power to these CrossFit guys. I mean, I, I'm, I'm glad to see the health in the hunting industry, like the, the focus on health yep. and all that stuff, because guys need to be healthier, uh, you know, because you want to hunt until you're 70. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's everybody's dream. And you're not going to do that if you're, if you're 400 pounds or, you know, you, you got diabetes and you're not taking care of it. We should all take care of ourselves. So it, it's kind of neat to see this, the health kick part, but it's not a requirement. You don't have to be able to bench press 300 pounds or run 100 miles to be a mountain hunter. You yeah. don't have to, and, you, and vice versa, you don't got to be 300 pounds to be a whitetail hunter. Yeah. Like, I, I love putting sheep on the mountain, and, and I can go sit in a tree stand for 12 hours with my bow and arrow waiting for the right deer to come out, too. I mean, it's, yep. and if you don't like that, don't do it. Oh, that's it, a whole. Do what you like. Yeah, I mean, that goes back to, I don't know how many times we've talked on it, the difference between, you know, like sheep hunting and bear baiting. You know, it's just, they're both, they're both a freaking hoot. Uh, they're just different, you know. They're they're difficult in their own ways, you know. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a, uh, and that's some. I I definitely my I'm not going to be able to let my my spry my youth carry me for too much longer. But uh, but yeah, it's and I guess what's annoyed me for years, you know, and you you're the same way, I'm sure, is is when people take a factor like whether it's you know having all the top end gear or being a super athlete or like put so much emphasis on that instead of like being just a well-rounded hunter, you know, it's like, you can't, you just can't, you can't put the emphasis all, all on one thing. Absolutely. And that's the thing, like it's, and that's the guided hunt. Like that's the kind of the cool part about these guys that do go on guided hunts. Yep. And they, they show up and hear their guide is, is wearing a pair of, you know, four-year-old boots and with holes in them. So, you know, his feet are wet yep. and he's got holes in his pants and holes in his jacket and his reindeer is covered in bear fat and sheep hair, yep. you know, and, and it's weekend, but he's going to, he's going to make it through five or six hunts in August yep. and you only got to make it through one. Yeah. Like what we, can live, what we can live through. And, and this, and this same thing goes for, I tell guys all the time about the first aid kit, the very best first aid kit, the very best piece of equipment you have, your, your number one source for everything is right between your ears. If yeah. you think you can do it, you can. If you don't think you can do it, you can. It's just that simple. It really is. Yeah, it's real. It's, yeah. it's I tell people it's so easy to talk yourself out of doing something like that when it just, I don't know, being mentally prepared, and I don't know, there's, there's not really a, a great way I know of other than just suffering through enough of it that you know you're going to be okay, but... You know, like getting in, you know, in sheep hunting. I remember the first like big snowstorm we got in. You think the world's going to end, you know? But in reality, ah. all right, you ah. wait a couple of days, it's going to melt off. Or worst case, you you know you get the hell out of there if it's like you know it's some storms. I know some guys have been in that actually do kind of push you off the mountain. But you deal with that as it comes. Or you know, raining, you get you get wet for a couple of days. You know, you after you realize you're not made of sugar. You know, and you can actually keep your body warm and not get hypothermic. You just learn to deal with that stuff. But man, little things like that just seem to mess with people. There, uh, there's a guy. I know he he guide. He lives in Colorado. And guides up here. Pretty pretty good kid. He uh, he was talk, talking about a client he had that flew in. Was like a saying, you know, bragging. Oh, college football player did all these like some you know tough adventure race things whatever i don't know but you know all like head to toe like out of a out of a kuyu or sitka catalog and you know start marching up the mountain starts raining a little bit and the guy starts crying wants to go home like just out of the blue like it's just 
I uh, I don't know. I don't know what to tell people other than just like you know, be prepared for some discomfort, and you will like you will be okay. You're not, you're not made of sugar. You're not going to die. You know, if you just got to want it. Abs, and that's just it. And some and some people are just going to hate it. And I again, I have all the respect in the world for the people that try it once and say, hey, that's just not for me. Yep, that's not my cup of tea. And that that's totally cool. But it's th- those guys. For, for the do-it-yourself guys, that's the guys trying to take the shortcuts. Like, I remember when I was, when the first couple times I went sheep hunting, like, I, I would only go so far into the mountain, and I wasn't worried about getting lost. I just didn't know if I could take care of myself. Yeah. You know, and that, the next time you go a little further, and the next time you go a little further, and pretty soon, you know, that that's where you can't take those shortcuts. You just got to learn. It, the only way to learn is by doing it. Yeah. And for the guided hunters, like, and I got a ton of friends that are, you, you got a guide license. I got a ton of friends yeah. that are guides that, you know, and to hear those stories, like the, the common theme is, you know, you get, especially the guys that can afford the big hunts, they show up. And of course, a lot of them are successful businessmen mm-hmm. have either their own business or they're running a large corporation. And those guys, they're, they're the man, right? Everywhere they go, they're the man. Well, they jump off that super cub out in the middle of nowhere and they've never been here before. And they, they go from being the man to being, you know, like your kid. Yeah, they're standing right behind you. They're on your ankle. They're they're scared to death of their own shadow out here because they're not in control and they really don't know what to expect. Yeah, you know. And I think some of those guys thrive on that, and some of those guys are embarrassed by that. But if they'll all try to to man out a ten day hunt, they'll learn something about themselves. Oh yeah, for sure. And just accepting that you don't that you don't know everything. I mean, I think even you know guys like us that get to go every year and guys that are guiding you get you go through different stages of knowing stuff but nowadays i'm like it's almost like not not a regression but i'm like man i just there's way more you realize how much you have to learn and how little you really you really know and looking back on like so many of my rams i was like man i was lucky that happened or this or that happened my first couple sheep were you know it it was it took a lot of like brute effort just kind of dumb brute effort and got into the right spot in a good in a good lucky situation. Um, I guess the more you know, the less the the I don't know. It's kind of hunt smarter, not harder type of thing. If you if you don't know what you're doing, you got to hunt really really hard to get into to get into that good situation. If that makes any sense, hundred percent, absolutely, absolutely. And that's and some of that you know that. It, Everybody takes a different route to get there. Some guys do a ton of research on the front end. Some guys just get, you know, carry a couple extra days worth of food and, and don't give up. Some yeah. guys are up at four in the morning and, and glass and early. And some guys are going to hunt till pitch black dark and walk back to camp. And I mean, everybody's got a different route. That's kind of the cool thing. Everybody's oh, yeah. got a different method and a different way. And, and there's no way to do it wrong. And that's, and that's the other thing, like with a hunt, like, especially with these, these mountain hunts, mm-hmm. it, success shouldn't be if it was, you know, if it's a 38-inch ram or a 40-inch ram or you killed a ram at all, success should be, you know, how did you come out of it? How, how, did, how did, did, you, did you get what you expected out of the hunt? Did, how did you do, how, you know, and can you make yourself better? My oh, girls yeah. are in basketball camp right now, and my 8-year-old my yesterday had to play with some teenagers. And, you know, she was like, you know, she got her butt kicked. And I'm like, that's how it works. You're supposed to play with people better than you. If you're always the best person on the court or the best person where you're at, you're never going to learn anything. Yep. I love hunting with a guy. That's one of the things I love about traveling to Asia. And it's one of the things I love about living here. Yeah. These, these guys, the 
the thing, these guys are connected to the land and the things they know out in the ocean are like, we'll get on a ski do and ride 80 miles to a cabin. They'll never turn their GPS on. It's yeah. pitch black, dark outside. And we, we won't miss the cabin by four feet. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't do that in a million years. These guys do it every weekend, every, you know, like it's nothing. Oh, and yeah. it's the same thing like in, in Kyr- Kyrgyzstan and Azerbaijan, Azerbaijan and Tajikistan. Every one of those hunts I go on or, you know, go over with hunters, I learn something. Those guys, are, it's just amazing. The people that live on the land. I mean, I get to hunt a lot, yeah. but it's nothing like living on the land and, and how these guys are connected to, to their resource. Oh, yeah. Or like any, you know. We all got a ton of Or it's like you jump in a riverboat with, you know any of the, you know, natives live on the Yukon, like that you want to learn about like reading rivers and stuff like that. Like those guys know what they're doing. Um, you know, stuff like that or, or, or like the ocean up there, man, that shit would scare me to death. <laughs> like running a skiff around in the, in the ocean and the ice and stuff like that. And those guys, you know, have been doing it for so many generations. It's just part of them, you know, and sometimes, Absolutely. sometimes you have to just like, I think you gotta, it's good for us to, sit back and just be in a position where we're the dumbass and we don't know what we're doing. So like, and it's, you can either be the guy that, that, you know, just kind of ignores that fact and pretends that you know what you're doing, or you can be, you know, have the mindset that you want to learn or at least pick up a few things. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Well, and that's part of, you know, that's, that's that youth thing. When we're young, we're, some, most of us are a little bit too cocky or a little bit too arrogant or, or think we're, we're overconfident. And as we get older, we realize you realize more and more what you don't know. I mean, my, my dad's been gone for a lot of years. I wish I could call him every day and apologize for all the stupid stuff I ever did or said, yeah. Yeah. He, <laughs> you know, it, 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 golly, you realize how, every day I realize how dumb I really am because you <laughs> learn something new. And if you're not doing that, you're just not paying attention. Oh yeah. Yeah. No kidding there. And I, I just like actually just yesterday, found out i guess i'm going to africa in october and uh that's going to be a different experience i'm looking forward to it it uh it'll just be i just it's like fitting to what we're talking about i'm gonna have freaking no clue be be a fish out of water there so but it'll be fun i'm looking forward to to doing it and kind of just take it as it comes and learn Africa is an awesome place. All of Africa, regardless of your feelings on whatever's happening, it, it the whole place is awesome. I, my wife actually shot her first animal with a bow and arrow in Africa. Oh, we cool. were there, and and I shot I shot a kudu high in the lungs. Yeah. I was a little maybe a little too jacked up, so I shot him high with my bow. So we let him have a little time, and then we started we started tracking him. And they had two of the trackers in front of us, and unfortunately for me, that they had a really really good dog at that camp, but yeah. he had gotten hurt the day before by a Gimsbach yeah. that somebody had wounded. And so he couldn't track. So I had two or three trackers in front of us and me and my wife were walking behind them. And we were literally like two miles into this walk. And my wife's like, are, are we still on this thing? And of course it's sandy soil, lots of tracks and different stuff. And I'm like, and I haven't seen blood in, in a mile, yeah. like literally. And I'm like, I'm like, nah, I think they're just trying to keep us happy. You know, they, yeah, I said, I don't think we're on anything, but I don't know. And as soon as I said that, the tracker in front of me like, literally reached over to the side of the trail and rolled the leaf over, and there was blood on the bottom of the leaf. Huh. Wow. I was like, all right, I'll just, I'll just I'll shut just up. I'll just shut now. up right now. <laughs> I, I, I just thought we were out for a stroll. Like, they were just trying to keep us happy because I had wounded this thing, and it, but, oh, we were still on it. Man. I mean, they're amazing. 
everything you hear about those trackers and and their tracking and the you know the blood, the tracks in the sand, the whatever they identify in one track out of twenty seven tracks kind of thing. Oh, like yeah. they are it's it's incredible. It, yeah. it's neat to watch, it's fun to watch. You know, you can't you have you know, they all speak their native tongues and you can't really communicate well with them, but they are they they are so much fun to watch. Yeah, that'd be that's a, a thing. You know, I mean, I'm hoping, not hoping to have like a long blood trail, but <laughs> you know, so, just some yeah, of that no. tracking is something I want to see. I want to see in person. It'd be super impressive. I mean, I think I'm all like, I get all got all puffed up about you know tracking down that grizzly bear because it was not a super easy trail, and we didn't have blood for like the last hour and a half. But uh, I mean. Yeah, that's nothing compared to what I've heard those guys can do. So, yeah, I mean, being a totally new experience, I'm wanting to go. And it's, you know, it's weird. It it just kind of got the opportunity. It's not something that I, like, innately am super passionate about. But it came up, and I'm like, man, I'd be kind of dumb to turn this down. And just something new, you know. I mean, it's probably as easy as it is to, as easy as it is to get, like, hardwired into just what I want to do. I mean, I could, I could hunt the rest of my life in this state and never get bored. Um, but yeah, anyway, so. No, it, it's good to expand your horizons. And it's so it's, that's the one thing I've learned about traveling too. Cause I, I can be a little bit of a dumb boxed in redneck and traveling to all these other countries and seeing how everybody else lives and and hearing everybody else's opinion about Americans or the United States or our current president or past president or whatever, ever all that stuff is and all the stuff we see on the news, regardless which news channel you watch. Yeah. And then to see the, the actual country, you know, cause I, I spent some time on the Afghanistan border or spent some time on these other borders and it, it's just a different reality when you're there. So it, and it, Africa has huge issues right now. So, yeah. and we hear all about it, but the, for you to get to go see it firsthand is going to, going to be an eye opener. And it, applaud you for expanding your horizons that's because it'd be real easy like you say just to stay home it it and it, you never know you might turn into the next huge african guy it might get in your blood and you you might want to be one of them 35 safari guys you just uh, never know well <laughs> it may is it bad to say i hope not because that cost me way too much freaking money and i i don't know it yeah it would be at least the way i'm looking at it now um it's definitely going to, I have a feeling it's probably not going to be the type of hunting I'm used to, but it should be a lot of fun. Um, I, I, I mean, I love mountain hunting more than anything, but, uh, yeah, we'll see. Africa, <laughs> Africa, which country, which country are you going to? South Africa. So awesome. It, it's so diverse. There, there's so many options there and it's, you know, a lot of people have these preconceived notions about, the hunting there, but it's it, it, every any any way you want to hunt exists in South Africa. Huh? Wow, that's cool. It, it really does. There, there's tons of free range down on the East Cape. There's there's a fair amount of mountain hunting that you could walk walk and hunt, like kudu or or uh, some of the smaller some of the bush bucks and stuff that live in in a little. I mean, when I say mountains, I mean they're they're mountains, but they're not like snow peak snow cap mountains like we're used to hunting yeah. or glaciers or any of that because they're they're different kinds of mountains yep but they're still they're mountains nonetheless it's 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 a neat place it really and they're great people and yep. great story like kruger's awesome that the the history of the countries is pretty incredible you know they're a little bit in turmoil right now but you get to see it firsthand yeah yeah so, no that's, yeah that's, that'll be fun 
Yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to the most is just, I mean, totally different thing. I'm not looking forward to sweating my balls off because that's going to be that's going to be a little bit of an issue, I think. <laughs> Me, man, if it's like... Well, you, no, go ahead. Thank, thank God you know some good gun riders that can tell you which caliber to take. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You, yeah, you, you were a witness to that little, like, bear, bear pistol debate. Well, they're calling it a debate is being generous is just ridiculous. I guess you don't know what you don't know. I mean, I don't know what I don't know, but I've seen a shitload of bears shot in all number of manners. And, uh, you know, this is in for the listener. If you're not like, no, know what exactly what we're talking about. It's basically a bear defense handgun little debate between, you know, I think like something in the range of a 10 millimeter is a good option for a million different reasons, um, I think it's better than your chances are better than having like a giant revolver. But, uh, I mean, that would take another three hours to go in depth on all that, but <laughs> I'm just, well, and you know, here, here's my thing on that. I, everybody's all of a sudden a professional on everything. Like, yeah, if it works for you, awesome. Again, that just cause it works for you doesn't mean it's going to work for somebody else. Yeah. And that's and what, like, and, and what, and what works for, People ask me all the time, what, you know, what do you do? What do you use here? What do you use there? What, and I'll tell them, but then I have to always, that just doesn't mean it's going to work for you. I mean, I'm nothing, there's nothing special about me, but just because it works for me doesn't mean it's going to work for you. So let's talk about how you hunt or how, what you've had luck with. Don't, don't just go buy a Kinetrek boot. And I love Kinetrek. Not, yeah. nothing, I'm not, I'm a Kinetrek dealer, so nothing bad about Kinetrek, but don't just go buy a Kinetrek because one guy has them. Or don't go buy a crispy because one because you like the color. Yeah, you know, go try them on. You know, and, and that's the bad part here too. This none of this stuff is cheap. No, nope. and just trying them on, walking around the store, or walking around the show with them isn't going to tell you. Like, I mean, you can research: do, are they durable? Are guys having good luck with them lasting or whatever? But as far as fit and finish, you, you got to try them on and you got to wear them. Yeah. And if you find one that fits, buy three pairs before they change them. Yeah, that's another point you know, too because they do they do change boots periodically and you know like like my buddy steve what was it he used was it the kenetrex he'd been using for a long time and then some minor change made him not fit him anymore yep and our feet do change you yep. know our feet grow you know every, everybody will tell you you know i used to wear 11 now i wear 11 and a half yeah that's normal your feet your feet are going to grow or swell or change get, and you got to be get fat to or grow warts that's, or something worth it Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my feet are just like the rest of me. They get fatter every day. So I got to <laughs> make sure I got enough food to, to hang in there. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I call it's my, it's the reserve tank and tell you what, absolutely. you know, uh, trying to be objectively as I can. And I could, there's a lot of things I could do better to, to be in better shape, but over a lot of years, you know, probably what, like 15, 16 years of cheap hunting, Maybe fit, I can't remember. That's quite a, a not a small number of sheep hunts. I do as well or better on the on the pack out now as I ever did. You know, because I got a little bit more energy back when I was like actually working out all the time and lean and just an even dumber kid. Um, yeah, there. I I the reserve tank is a real thing. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and it's you know I'm. I'm like a diesel truck. I, I walk almost the same speed with a empty pack and a full pack. Yep. You know, I just, it, I'm just in no hurry. And I've learned over time. I've actually, 
seen a lot more Rams or done a lot more things as I even slowed down more because I'm looking more and walking less. Yeah. You know, when I was younger, I always had, I'd look on the map and have this thing in my head, like I want to get to this place or this peak or this valley or this whatever, and I'd walk by all these sheep. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. nowadays it's like walk a little bit in glass and walk a little bit in glass and, oh, look at that, there's a whole bunch of sheep yeah. in a place I didn't expect them to be because guess what? I'm not a sheep, well, so I, I don't know where they're going to be. Yeah, and I've had hunts that that's changed the entire plan for the whole hunt is just paying attention and seeing seeing rams where you didn't expect them to, like in the opposite direction sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. And these old rams, I mean, they're they're smart. They've been around. They they're used. You know, they get left alone for ten months a year, and for two months we're out there boogering them with airplanes and people on the ground and you know, whatever. So they, they find their places to hide, whether it's down in the alders or, you know, they, they find a hole to hide in on the hill or whatever. You, I mean, you got to go root them out. Oh yeah. They're not all just going to stand up there and, and give us a, you know, a hundred yards away and be three inches past full curl and make it easy for us. Yeah. That's uh <laughs> that's one other thing we'll I'll get into after this, but I was talking to a buddy of mine last night, who's getting ready to go guide a hunt and he had like, chasing his kid around it hurt his heel the heel on his foot and he like thought he broke something maybe like it was bad enough where they had they x-rayed it and nothing's broke but he's like man i'm worried he's like i hope i don't get a client that's in like really good shape because i'm like even so even if you can't because you know a guide you don't you want to be you don't want to have you don't want to hunt with anyone that can out hike you kind of a pride thing but i'm like shoot man who cares i was like you just if he, you're having a hard time keeping up with them, just tell them, hey, man, you're going too fast. We're going to be missing some sheep. I'm like, you're not lying. <laughs> you just take your time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, that, that guide-client relationship is one of the wildest things on the planet. You know, here, here most of the time you got two people who have never met, and you're going to throw them in a tent together out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And one guy's trying to make a living, and the other guy's trying to live out his dream. You know, and it's like, it either it seems like there's just not a lot of gray area either. It just don't work or it's just magic. Yeah. You know, that's so tough when you're trying to, you know, buy a hunt or get somebody lined up and boy, that that's a tough one. Oh, especially can... this day. Cause everybody's having a hard time keeping guides and like every other industry out there, you know, there's just not, there's not a, just a whole unlimited supply of young, tough guides that want to guide. Like it seems like Canada has a lot. Yeah. We suffer here in the states it seems like and i don't i'm not sure what the product of that is but we they have longer seasons here so those guys i think can make a better living because most of those seasons in the yukon bc nwt they start you know mid-july or august 1st and go all the way through october yeah so i think those guys maybe make a little more have, have more hunters and make more of a living out of one camp and not have to jump all around but it, it the, the guide life's a tough life you know those guys all end up with second jobs or whatever and Boy, they get that second job and it ends up having insurance or something and they realize they got to take care of a wife or a kid yeah. or something else. The guidance just kind of falls by the wayside. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, that's, it's, tough. it's, it's tough. tough. And I wonder, you know, I've, I've wondered this and, and I know there's quite a few, quite a few uh, Canadian guys that listen to this because um, I, I think we have a lot in common. So, some things we have a lot more in common with, I would say, like rural Canadian like-minded people than we do with a lot of lower 48 um folks but uh oh 100 100 100 you know i've i've heard i don't know if it's true that over you know the past two three decades a lot of that 
rural northern Canada sheep country is kind of depopulated and I don't know if this is true. I heard that they kind of basically regulated a lot of people from being able to hunt, to sheep hunt a lot of that country, you know, whether it's by restricting airplane, you know, uh, I don't know how to, regulation of, of private airplane type stuff. I, I, I don't know. I just heard from someone that they, they'd made it basically super difficult. It wasn't worth doing, own, having your own plane and doing that kind of thing unless you were using it for a business. So I didn't, you know, if someone, you know, if I'm full of it, totally off, please someone let me know. But, uh, you know, I, I almost wonder if some of that, that more readily willing guide, guide stock, if you want to say like that, is because maybe some of those, those opportunities are, are more limited. You know, I, I really don't know much about, about how things work over there, even though it's, you know, just a few hundred miles away, basically. Yeah, well, it's, it's, and I got a lot of dear, dear friends in Canada, it's, especially Western Canada. Eastern Canada is just like our two coasts. They're just, yeah. they're a different world. But Western Canada, three or four provinces on the re- on the west side, four or five provinces, I guess, are all awesome people. I've been lucky, super lucky to spend some time there and, and hang out with those guys. Uh, and a lot of those sheep guys, like in the Northwest Territory, all come from BC and Alberta and Saskatchewan yeah. and go up there and guide because they love it. And of course, most of them are horse guys. They're all they're all livestock guys. Like, yeah. they're all rural livestock guys. And they're and they're just all and they they all love it. They all got a passion for it, you know. And they they do a lot of stuff old school still. Even that, I know the Northwest Territory has some helicopters and people bunk that, but there's still a bunch of you know. It's no. It's the only difference between a, a helicopter and a super cub is you you can just land anywhere with that helicopter. You yeah. know, you still you still got to get out there and walk around and shoot a sheep. It's not like they're shooting them out of the helicopter. Nope. You know and. They just, they got a ton of sheep. And yeah. I think, I, I don't, I'm not clear on the regulations like for locals and stuff as far as flying and whatever, but the Northwest Territories just doesn't have a population, a population of people that's big to start with. Yeah. That's and the true. population that's there just aren't sheep hunters. And it's same, same with like the Yukon Territory. The Yukon, I mean, I think over half the people that live in the Yukon actually live in Whitehorse. And I, I think most of those guys are moose hunters or caribou hunters or, you know, trappers, yeah. subsistence hunters. There's, there's not a pile of, of big sheep hunters, and I heard, and I don't know if this is true, same thing like you were saying, just two years ago, the guy that drew the uh, the Kiwani tag, because there's two Kiwani tags every year, they auction one, and then the residents of the Yukon apply for one. Yep. They, I mean, you're talking about the Kiwani tag, maybe maybe the most pristine doll sheep tag in the world, and they only had like 400 people apply for it oh, every year. And, and, we're, the guy, and we're swimming and the guy through that, thousands the of guy people. That, yeah, and the guy that got it didn't even go like two years ago. Like the guy oh. that got it this year is Dan Reynolds, and he's an absolute monster. And he's yeah. going to go in there and have a blast, and you know, arrow a, a definitely arrow a mature ram. Who yeah. knows what it's going to look like? But he's going to arrow a mature ram and have a blast doing it. But so that's that's awesome. But they just don't got a ton of guys. Or conversely, right across the border in BC, they got the same issue we have, where the residents and the guys are bumping heads at every corner. Yeah. You know, because they got a ton of residents in B.C. that are hardcore sheep hunters. And, you know, they have a lot more access. There's a lot more planes. There's just a lot more people. Yep. You know, in Alaska, we don't have a ton of people, like, for the amount of country we have. But we have a ton of people on the limited amount of roads and the min- min- limited amount of airplanes and, and space we're trying to get to. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, it's you, tough. You look at the, va- you know, you look at the map, you see this vast amount of country. Well, 
not all that country's good. I mean, it's Alaska is kind of about finding like the right little, you know, hot spots, if you want to call it that. Um, and a lot of them aren't secrets and, you know, state, you know, like, I mean, <clears throat> we've all kind of voiced our opinions on like the state land stuff where there's, there's some areas where it's just an issue. I think we're out, you know, where you can get five outfitters hunting, trying to hunt the same river drainage. I mean, it just, it just isn't fun for anybody. And it's a small enough, you know, Alaska is a small enough space where we've all, you know, pretty much all of us, if you've been around a while, you have friends that, are, you, you know, you have friends that are guides, you have friends that are not, you know, it, you kind of, you know, people and are connected to each of the different camps. So it's kind of, tough to negotiate because you don't on the one hand you don't want to screw people's living but on you know it's like how, how do you balance that with looking out for everybody and looking out for residents interests too you know you know what i mean oh yeah absolutely it's tough and i mean i'll tell you a couple stories and it, it goes along with this big battle we're having now you know us residents and the guys we we all got to get together and figure out something because we're going to be in trouble i a couple years ago i i hunted in august and didn't find a sheep i wanted to kill and then I had some free time. So in September, I ran down to 20A in the Wood River. Yep. You know, and the Wood River's packed. I know that. It, it, but it's got the highest sheep populations and the highest moose populations, but it's got the highest guide populations. Yep. But I figured everybody's moose hunt in September. I'll run in there and try to find a sheep. So I land out on the river, just blind, landed on the river, jumped out of the plane, throw all my stuff together, look up, and sure enough, from where I landed in the middle of the Wood River, I can see a ram up on the hill that looks to be legal. Yep. I'm like, oh, cool. So I took off, took, got my stuff, took off down that direction, Got about halfway there, and about 200 yards in front of me, a guy steps out of the brush. Huh. So I just walked. I just walked over to him. We'll come to it's Parker Wallace, and I look, and he's got his horses, his client, and his Wrangler stuffed off in the brush. And you know, I'm like, "How you doing?" Yeah. Blah blah. And I said, "You guys on that ram?" He's like, "You saw it?" And I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "Oh yeah, we're on it." I said, "All right, I'll just go to the head of the valley." He's like, "Really?" I'm like, "You guys are here first. I mean, what? Yeah. I'm not going to booger up your hunt." He's like, "Yeah, yeah. we're kind of waiting for him to come out of the rocks." I'm like, "Yeah, good plan." So I walked down to the head of the valley, found a couple of rams, got on them. I got to 300 yards, and a plane was coming through the pass and boogered them. Yeah. And with my muzzle, the 300 was right on the edge of where I wanted to shoot. I just didn't have a good shot. They ran off. You know, it, it wasn't intentional. It just yeah. happened. I mean, yeah. it was just one of those things. The plane, the plane wasn't circling. He wasn't, like, bothering the sheep. The sheep were just too close to the pass, and when the plane came through, he boogered them. Yep. Well, from there, I saw a ram the other direction, but, you know, cause there's a ton of sheep in there. I said, okay. So the next morning I got my stuff, ran down there to that Ram, got up on the Ridge, got a good look at him. He looked to be mature, got down to the bottom, went right below where he was at, busted through the alders and there's three horses tied up right there. Huh. I was like, all right, well, I'm, you know, that somebody's here. I'm just going to go the other direction. You know, that's just, <laughs> yeah. how, you, you got to know going in, there's going to be people there, yep. you know, and it's just, it, it's not going to do any good to fight over it. It's not any good to make, you know, if somebody's there, just let them hunt, go find another one. I mean, they had to take their turn and wait for theirs. But conversely, I'm one of those lucky Alaska residents. I drew a, a, a brown bear tag on Kodiak yep. years and years and years ago, you know, 2007, I think. Well, I called the outfitter in the area and said, Hey, look, I, you know, blah, blah, blah. I drew the tag. I'm so-and-so like, can I, I'm going to come down and hunt these. I'm going to hunt the first 15 days. I had the fall hunt. I'm going to hunt the first 15 days of the season. Yep. Um, 
is there some place you'd like me to go? Can I rent a can I rent a cabin from you? Can I rent a skip from you? Can I somehow work with you to you know and stay out of your way or tell me where you're going to be and I'll go somewhere else or I'll tell you where I'm going to be or you know how is it is there anything I can do to help? And he basically told me I hunt the whole area anywhere you bay you're going to be in my way you might as well not even come. Huh. You know and I I can tell you half a dozen stories of guys that have done the same thing Alaska residents trying to work with a guide or an outfitter specifically on Kodiak and I think that's why it's gotten so much attention with this unfortunate lawsuit and and i i totally get where bob's coming from with the lawsuit but it's yeah it's just unfortunate to come to that but yeah. it's some of those outfitters have brought it on themselves that's nonsense yeah you know i'm not they don't have to cater to the residents and nobody's got to kiss anybody's ass but we got to work together yeah well, and when i draw a tag that special and there's only a couple of hunters getting it and you try to work with the guy and i'm not trying to take his livelihood i'm you know, and of course he, he doesn't trust his residents either. Like he, yeah. he thinks I'm asking cause I want to hunt on top of him or I'm trying to ask where his secret spot is. And you know, at some point we just got to work together and trust each other. Yeah. Well, you worked at a fog neck. I mean, if, if somebody would have showed up and said, Hey, we're, you know, where can I hunt to be out of your way? Well, what do those guys would have said? Oh, they would have, you know, said, well, Hey, we can, you know, we, you know, they would kind of be pretty frank with them and tell them i mean there's been there was plenty of times where you know there were residents like you know and they talk to the they you know i mean the air services are flying in and out of there every day almost so you know those guys will tell them where they've dropped people and we just steered clear you know you'd, you'd be respectful you yep. know it's all right these guys are camped in that bay we're just gonna hunt around them we got the boat no big deal and uh it's not you know i think the field the field isn't a place to get into pissing matches like that you know it's like if we want to i don't know if we want to kind of like you mentioned dealing when you bump into people in the field it's you know why would you not just be respectful and say all right well i'm going to go hunt this way i mean we've run into guys that fact the time i met jeremy was up in the brooks range hunting sheep and they'd flown we hiked from where we got dropped up to this spot that they had landed their planes and I just told him, I said, oh, hey, I was planning on hiking up around here to go around there. What's, you know, to kind of sort out. And we all sorted out a plan and steered clear of each other. And we all got rams, you know. It's not that big a deal. Um, but, yeah, guys that, are just, guys that are just super stingy, like you mentioned, like, I think even if, even if you suspect, like, some residents trying to, trying to get your honey hole or whatever and there, but that's what you're asking them is say, Hey, like, is there any way we can like coordinate? So I'm not on, I'm not in your way or whatever. And you just say, Oh, well, I'm hunting the whole unit. Fuck off. You know, that's not okay. You know, that's not going to help anything. There's ways that you can help people out and help coordinate without like giving away your secret spot. Now, you know, there's people out there, I'm sure that are going to end up showing up. Like actually the guy, at least I heard this story. I hadn't heard it from him, so I don't know 100% if it's true. But um, the guy the guy that I was mentioning that had the, the, the client that was crying, and well, this, I think it was this last year, they were hunting in an area and ran into some residents. And, of course, the resident guy, oh, he, he, I think all he said was, hey, you know, we're planning on hunting this one area, so could you please stay, stay out, you know. You know, we're they we're here first. You know, we were planning on hunting here. If you guys can give us some room, that'd be great. Well, so the resident guy argues we need to go there. That's where he's going. There's going to be sheep there. So they went there. There was no sheep there. He would like let him on a wild goose chase. <laughs> you know, absolutely. So, I, so it's like that's I what get that, that you got those guys. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, and they deserved no they about. deserved it because he he I think he got the impression that they were going to fall. You know, 
it's like, all right, so you got to take everything with a grain of salt, you know. I think he, and they did actually go where he, like, said, hey, I'm going to be here. You know, he wouldn't have had anything to say if they were like, okay, and then went where he didn't say, if that makes any sense. Well, and, and it, it, it's, residents are definitely guilty of it. A couple of years ago, I helped a buddy with a Delta tag. He drew that Delta tag. We went in on the late hunt, so we flew in, and, of course, it, that's the motorized hunt. So we, we flew in, landed the strip, and walked in, and found a ram off the main riverbed. Yep. You know, and put him to bed and put our tents right down the main riverbed. Well, I mean, right at dark, here comes three four-wheelers with two guys, or three guys, and I think they had two tags. So we stopped. They stopped right there. We're like, hey, look, we got a ram right here around the corner, you know, up on the hill. We think he's legal. We're going to look at him in the morning. You know, we're going we're gonna to walk right up this drainage behind camp and go that way. They're like, okay, you know, no problem. We plan to go to the end, to the glacier, blah, 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 blah. So said no problem they took off on the four wheelers we didn't think nothing about it 45 minutes later i smell a fire so i walk out in the bed and look around they're camped directly underneath that ramp <laughs> and i'm like okay whatever you know stupid people so the next morning we get up pack our stuff eat our oatmeal boogie up the hill we get about halfway up the hill and i heard something i look down and here's these three guys walking up the same drainage we're walking up jeez behind us <laughs> i'm like you gotta be shitting me you know so then they finally, my buddy, I was like, let's just beat them to the top. There's one little pass at the top. I said, if we're sitting in the pass, they can't come by it, you know. And he's like, nope, I had enough. So he threw all this stuff down, ran down the hill and told him, like, what the F are you guys doing? And we had a big confrontation right there in the middle of the hill. And they ended up going down. And we went up. And then we went over the top and bumped into 22 rams, yeah. <laughs> you know. So we, we had our choice of rams, and it, it worked out well. But it's yeah, we're we're all our own worst enemy. Whether they're guides, residents, whatever, we all we all can be our own worst enemies at times. And I get these guys have paid twenty five grand for a brown bear hunt, but I waited twenty years to draw it. Oh yeah, you know it, it just because my tag was only five hundred bucks, or I I didn't have to pay twenty five bucks twenty five grand for a guided hunt doesn't mean that we don't all deserve the same respect or the same space, or we don't all have the same access. Oh totally. Well, and, you know, and if you you know if the guy had kind of worked with you. You know, every you know that's that's going to make everybody happier and and whatnot as as opposed to what he did. Then I'm sure your rightful response is like, "All right, screw you! I'm freaking going wherever I want to." Then because you can, you know. And I did. That's exactly what I did. You know, and it and it makes you you know like right now with and I keep, I hate to refer to this lawsuit because I hate to bring any negative stuff, but that's there's a lot of guys out there right now that think, oh, you know this person or this group of people just hates guides and their whole life is to, to, to destroy guides. Well, and nobody wants to stop and think for a second. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I don't know what the hell happened there, but anyway, so. Well, the, where I, was, I don't know how far I got there before we got cut off, but it's the, the residents of Alaska haven't had a voice for eons, no. you know, that the commercial interests controlled, you know, and so right now the, the residents got some representation with rack. They've got, some money there's some old timers that have had some bad experiences with guides for a long long time yeah and yeah some of that's going to come out all at once yeah you know that, and and the landscape's going to change a little bit we we just got to deal with it we yep. all we all got to deal with it together or we're all going to lose yeah that's the that's the part you know and, and everybody's you know every, every nobody loves change we get it i get it i mean i don't want change and i know you struggled a couple guys because you you're real good about putting your stuff out there and i don't think I don't know what everybody thinks. I don't think people realize you're just a blue collar, hardworking dude that just 
earns everything you got. Like there, it's all sweat. No one's giving you anything. No one's giving you coordinates. No one's giving you free plane rides. Like you've earned all these Rams. Yeah. And I know there's, there's the king, the wikis of the world that think Alaska residents are evil and we shouldn't be allowed to shoot a Ram every year. Oh, like, shit. cause he wants some non-resident access to it like that. That's just crap. That's complete crap. That no one, no one, need, no one needs to shoot anything. Everybody lives next to a grocery store, yep. including me in a village. Yep. So they can, I mean, they, they can just kiss my ass with all that nonsense. Don't oh, talk yeah. about what, what what people need. Oh yeah. Because when it comes to need, they need to shut up. Well, and Wolf, what what we all want is a whole different story. Yeah, that's that's you the know? truth. And it's uh, I mean that like going at that angle. After I wrote that, had my article after I got ten Rams. Um, the article was about like lessons I'd learned from each of these, you know, 10 hunts or 10, you know, sheep I'd gotten. I got, you know, there's a letter to the editor and I don't think this guy realized that the editor was just going to forward the email to me, um, with some former WSF big wig from, I don't know if he was from BC or whatever, but I don't know how many times he called me a pig for what, just shooting my legal bag limit most years. You know, and, and I yeah. got into it with him. I was like, sorry, man, like, this isn't Alberta. This isn't BC. I'm like, there's a reason the bag limit is what it is, and it's not a zero-sum game. Me shooting my one ram a year is not taking a ram away from you. It's it's just scientifically, it's not how it works, you know. It, and Well. I mean, it was just aggravating. And, it, the hypocrisy drives me crazy because they're right there in the WSF magazine, and I, I'm, a, I'm a life member of WSF, a life member of Grand Slam Club Ovis, and I love those clubs. I love everything. They frustrate me sometimes with some of the stuff they do, but we celebrate guys all the time that have shot 60, 70, 80 Rams in their life around the world. Yeah. How is, how is that different than Tyler going out and working his ass off to shoot one every year? Yep. It's just jealousy, I think. You know, I, I, I honestly, I don't know. You know, some, some people feel like they're entitled to well that's kind of the you know, the issue one of my issues with sheep foundation as much as i you know i think they do some fantastic work in a lot of places and are really like really a critical organization for sheep in in certain areas um i just don't i haven't seen any tangible thing they've done that actually like helps alaska's sheep you know they they kick some money here and there but um, it just, I haven't seen it in it, you know, whether it's my personal bias and from things they've said at the banquets and, and positions they've taken, it just seems to me like a non-resident lobby group. You know, I mean, an organization's well, just... I was going to say... Uh, sorry, unfortunately, they are, they, they really come off as anti-Alaska resident. Yeah. You know, and that's, they, they really do. And, and, and there, there's definitely members there that are. Yeah. You know, and they, they've stated on stage that the Alaska residents are the problem. I mean, you've, you've, you've brought it up yeah. and it's, it's unfortunate that we're at that page, but, and then they, you know, then people get mad when you get defensive. Well, you're, you're trying to take something to ours away. Yeah. You know, that's it, it, what else are you going to do, but get defensive. That's, that's not the right strategy. And that's, you know, we, we live here for a reason. Yeah. And part of living here is being able to call sheep hunt every year. And that doesn't mean I want to kill one every year. My wife loves to eat them. She, I mean, I like to eat them. It doesn't mean I have to kill one every year, but I sure as heck want to hunt one every year. Yeah, and so and what, what, and I, so what, what if you do? do? You know? Yeah, so what if I do? Yeah, it's just... You know, and they, they act like... Well, they also act like there's there's a thousand residents out here shooting the sheep every year. There's only a couple of guys that actually kill a ram every year. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, when you they can were count them on, on two or three games. Yeah, when they were doing, when they were doing that, you know, fishing game was doing that sheep working group, which all amounted to freaking nothing. Um, you know, they found like one guy I think who had killed a ram the previous ten years in a row. You know, yeah, it's just not. You there, know, there's not a lot. No, so it's well, and our, our every every fishing game and every fishing game outfit across the country and in Canada, they're always fighting for money. The yeah. first place any government wants to get cuts at fishing game, the last place they want to fund is fishing game, and they're all fighting for money. So it's and Alaska when Alaska went to full curl and eight years old, which was a genius move back in the day. Yeah. I think we just kind of left the sheep behind, so we ha- we don't got a ton of sheep data and a ton of sheep research and and. Not that we need it, and you know everybody likes to hunt ten-year-old and twelve-year-old rams, and and I do too. It's great, but if we're shooting eight-year-old rams, I mean that I think that's the, the mortality rate from eight on is off the chart. Oh, and if yeah. we're shooting eight-year-old rams, I think we're doing the right thing. I mean we're in the right ballpark. We can't control disease. We can't control bad winters. We can control the wolves, and we can't control the bears. And at this point, we don't anymore, and that's well, a huge problem. Yeah, and that's you know talking to old timers, you know. That they're like, why do you, you know? They're like, why do you think some specific guys like, why do you, th- you know, the sh- why do you think the sheep hunting was so good up in the brooks back in, you know, the the seventies, eighties, you know, that kind of the golden age of the brooks range, and it's like because every outfitter that hunted up there, whether legal or not, every outfitter that hunted up there was flying around shooting every wolf they could find in the spring. You know, you can't say that doesn't make at least some difference. Granted, weather's, and that's why I'm like, I just am super leery. Uh, of as as you know, as bad as it sounds to say it, I'm super leery of Sheep Foundation in the context of our interests as residents, because what can they do? You know, yeah, like okay, you know, they can they can provide funding for some surveys and stuff, but is that really going to tangibly make a difference? So they kick this much money. So what kind of influence does that give them in over the things that are important to us? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, we gave you however much money, and so, you know, it's a, well, a lot of bu- if you look kind at of buddy-buddy system. <laughs> well, and if you look at the affiliations on the surface, they're affiliated with APHA, and they're opposed to everything that's RAC, that's yeah. Resident Hunters of Alaska. And I'm not saying either group is right or wrong. Yeah. I'm just saying look at the affiliation. Yeah. You know, so it's it's a tough one. And, and yeah, we're not going to do any sheep transplants in Alaska. So, we, you know, the big transplant thing and where we get all the, the, the news feeds and the the feel-good stories about transplant sheep, that's not going to happen here. We, You know, the MOV issue is, is real, and we definitely got to keep an eye on it, but we also have to insert some common sense. We don't yeah. need to hit the panic button, knee-jerk reactions, and, and go crazy. Let's, let's actually put the real data out there, you know, get some, get some good feedback from knowledgeable people about the data and make some decisions. Yeah. You know, but it's, it, yeah, I think, I think it... It's unfortunate it all gets political and dramatic instead of just it because it should be fairly straightforward and fairly simple. Oh, totally. Yeah, it. Uh, and we have we have some great biologists in Alaska. We have some biologists that really care. We have some biologists that know, but they fight the political machine. They fight funding. They fight the whole nine yards. Yeah, like everybody else. I mean, it's it's a tough go. It's a tough go for everybody. It's a tough go for the guys. It's a tough go for the residents. It's a tough go for the state. Yeah, you know, there's there's no easy answer to any of it. But sitting around twiddling our thumbs or yelling and screaming at each other or hating each other or wanting to sue each other isn't yeah. going to help. No, and I mean, and it's unfortunate because you get, you know, guys will, 
uh, you know, everyone kind of goes their camp and it's, it's tough. Like a guy like me, like I got buddies and all these different, you know, I don't think, you know, I think probably, you know, I think something like our, like our hack needs to exist and APHA, you know, all, all these organizations have their place and everything. And I don't think any one of them is right all the time. And, and not one of them is just always completely full of shit either. Um, it's just t- tough to find a balance. I mean, and I was getting into it with some guy. I don't know where he's from. No, I think you couldn't see it because he probably already blocked you. But uh, on the <laughs> on the on the plugs or something like that, I had said something about real, you know, and really like the only tangible thing that I know of. I could be wrong. That I've seen from that came from Sheep Foundation for us is having to freaking take the Dewalt drill to my damn horns after I packed them off the mountain. I about had a fucking heart attack the first time they did that. I mean, it's it's just you know so and that was pushed on by and paid for I think by Wild Sheep Foundation. I was like, why the fuck do my horns need a plug? You want them sealed? You want to inspect them? Fine, I could care less. The first time, you know, the first ram I got, they sealed with a locking tag. You know. No freaking, yeah. no freaking big deal. So now, you know, and there's like, it gets a little towards the conspiracy theory side of things, but okay. So what purpose would all these plugs? Okay. Well, so there's numbers recorded where these Rams are killed. Like why are, and I was getting into it with this guy. I'm like, can you give me, he's like, oh, well they, the, the thing is, oh, well the D you know, the a, they, they protect them from poaching. I'm like, well, you're freaking poachers, guys shooting sublegals that know it aren't going to be bringing them in unless they're, you know, dishonest people aren't going to be bringing in their rams to have pl- to try and have them plugged, you know. And once no, a once what, a rams what, once a rams what? a year old, you know, once that set of horns is a year old, you ain't, there's no telling the difference between a year old one that's been sitting in the closet for a year or 10 years, you know what I mean? And what's the difference between a plugging and sealing and I mean, if you're going to bring it in and they just seal it and take the data, what's the plug done? Yeah, nothing. And that's, that's the thing. Anything. All the plug does is someone else sees a set of sheep horns. Oh, I can, you know, in theory, look up where we, that thing was killed. <laughs> and I get it down south. You know, there's states like Montana where, I mean, they're just, they don't kill that many sheep. We kill tons of sheep here. Yeah. You know, a state like Montana where they don't kill tons of sheep until just recently they weren't allowed to pick up deadheads. You know, and they, yeah. they can take the time to identify each sheep, and they, they have sheep problems. They got pneumonia problems. They got, you know, land problems. They got whatever. And, of course, a lot of those sheep are photographed, and they got places where there's really big sheep that they're not allowed to touch them. Yep. So, you know, a guy gets a photo of that sheep, and somebody else finds it. I mean, that's, I get all that. But uh, we don't have a huge, uh, to my knowledge, we don't have a big, like, illegal horn trade. We don't have... You know, I, I, most certainly there's way more illegal moose killed every year than there is sheep. Yeah. You know, and we're, we're not plugging moose horns. No. Nope. Like, it's, it's you know, I, I, agree, I agree with getting every sheep sealed. Take yep. it in, get it sealed, get it measured, get it aged. Let's collect the data. The other caveat to that is, though, every sheep hunter lies. Everybody yeah. lies yeah, about yeah. where they shot it. Yeah. You know, because, it, so how good is the data, really? Yep. You know, it's not like these things got GPS is on them and, you know, most people, you know, obviously we try to stay within the unit to be legal, but no, no yep. one's given up their sheep spot no. and everybody's in there trying to read the data, you know? And then of course there's the old wire chasing the dead Ram. That sheep's already dead. Yep, why, that's why, it. Why, that's why, the why truth. You, go in there? <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's just all that funny sheep stuff, you know, that it, it brings you know, and Jeremy, you know, we're talking about Jeremy Roosink, obviously you need to get on here yeah. soon, but Jeremy always talks about it. You know, it drives him crazy. The attention the sheep get, 
you know, and the craziness that the sheep bring around and the goats don't get any of that. The, the goats are, you know, conceivably 40% harder to hunt than sheep. Oh yeah. Because of the country they live in or the yeah. weather they, that surrounds them or, or whatever the case is, you know, or the yeah. places they live are just harder to get to from the get go. Yep. You know, and there's just a lot less places where they are. I mean, that's, and the, the goats, literally you get two guys show up on the same lake to go goat hunting. They'd shake hands, high five and do whatever. Yeah. You get two guys land on the same lake to sheep hunt and it's going to be world war three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is funny. You know, it, it's just wild how that works and it's just unfortunate, but I mean, the sheep are special, but so are the goats. Yeah. And back to the plug. But we got to well, say back to the plug thing. And you know, there may be, like a lot of the stuff Sheep Foundation does, like there's there may be a good time and place for things like that. But I just, you know, like we, like as residents up here, get a little territorial about some of that stuff. Like I just don't see any freaking point for us having to do that to our horns. You know, you want to do it down there, sure, go go for it. But to, you know, have have you know outsiders force their will upon us is is a little is a little disgruntling to say the least. And I told the guy, I was like, I was like, can you produce a single, you know, and he said, you know, Oh, well the DNA from the horn core, I was like, fucking fishing game isn't collecting DNA. You know, I said, if they want DNA, they can, they can clip a piece of skull cap or something, you know, I was like, if you, if you can show me one spot where a poacher was caught or, you know, someone, you know, especially from an Alaska sheep was like busted because of, a horn plug or lack thereof, well, I'm all ears and I'm still waiting. <laughs> well, and that's, that's just not the way the investigations work or what, no. what's going to, I mean, I'm sure somebody has been told on and there was a, you know, I've heard a story of a guy killed a seven year old Ram, took it home. One of his buddies saw it in his garage and told on him the cops went and checked it out. But I, I think the guy just told on himself, you know, it didn't, didn't yeah. necessarily come down to having a plug or not having a plug, but yeah, you know, and, and me, honestly, like I, I don't really care about the plug in the horn. It doesn't bother me, but I see how it bothers other guys. And I understand that it makes, I, I get it. Like mm-hmm. it, it doesn't, the, the horn, the plug doesn't bother me one bit there. I mean, lots of times I get asked left horn, right horn. I don't care. Put it wherever you, I, it doesn't, I don't care. Yeah. You know, it is what it is, but whatever. But I, it, it seems to be an unnecessary step in it here. Like I say, other places, it probably makes a lot of sense to do things. It just seems unnecessary here. And, you know, I, I'm all for collecting the data, though, and I'm all for sharing the data. We find, yeah. should find better ways, because I'd sit down and read every ram shot, you know, the age, the length of each horn, the base of each horn. That's the stuff we dream about. Yep. You know, I sit for, for days and read all that data. I can't do anything constructive with it, but I can read it because I like reading it. And it's, it's, you know, it's good to see all that. It's fun to keep tabs on what was, how many rams are shot and what's out there. And, you know, it's... Oh, yeah. But, yeah, we... We, we got to decide, we, we, at some point we got to decide we're the supreme predator and that we want access to these sheep. And the moose and the caribou are the same way. Yep. And the caribou, obviously, worldwide have, have really taken a hit, and we really got to babysit them. But we got to do something about these wolves and bears. And I'm not saying wipe them out, but there, there is, I mean, I hate to say it, it sounds coarse, but there's just not room for all of us at this point. So we're going to have to make some decisions. And that's, those are the tough decisions a lot of people aren't wanting to make or yep. deal with, and they're not politically accepted. You know, and Sarah Palin went through part of that process, and we, the scientists come right out and say, we got, we got too many wolves. Yeah. And then we put it to a vote. How, how do you scientifically come to, to the fact you have too many wolves or too many predators, period, regardless of what they are, and then put it to a vote on yeah. what we're going to do about it? 
that's that's not you don't vote on science or you don't vote on stuff like that. no <laughs> let's just go let's let's just go knock them back a little bit you know yeah. we got a lot of people dependent on youth out here and a lot of people i mean you got a lot of people want to eat moose and you got a lot of a lot of guides making a big living on moose yeah you know it moose are moose are an iconic alaskan animal you know and they need to be healthy in every part of their range yep yep that's the truth so man. but yeah anyway i was gonna before get too far along and forget about it um i want to hear i want to want you to all spiel on your your uh your gear company and what you're doing i mean i know i've seen you've been hunting in asia a lot are you are you guys booking helping book hunts over there tell me what what do you got going on with that yeah so i you know it started the gear company i think back in 2008 and just love helping guys get gear just the same stuff and it was way before i didn't even know what facebook was or anything else so just you know always helping my buddies get gear and some of my buddies were guides and I'm helping them get gear. And then next thing you know, I'm helping their clients get gear and it just turned into a business and, and I love doing it and just love helping people. And it's cap- so we, and yeah, it's captivate our, him. Our, our big thing is build captivate them outdoors. Okay. Yes, sir. And what we love to do is help people build systems. You know, I, I, I love getting on the phone with a guy and lay out everything you got. Let's talk about what you got. Let's talk about what you not just this one hunt. You don't need to buy $3,000. And I got guys that buy, brand new systems every year and at the end of the season they give them to their guides and they buy new stuff next year i got other guys that are working on strict budgets we're going to build one system and we're going to try to hunt the next three four or five years out of one you know one set of base layers one set of soft shells one set of puffies and one set of rain gear so we got to try to get all the right stuff you know and you know and i i kind of it kind of got crazy with too many people because it's just a personal service thing yeah so i started a membership Okay. And I got a limited membership, and I'm, I'm basically their personal shopper, personal secretary. There's a couple guys I keep track of animals they want and they need, and I'm always watching for hunts for them. There's other guys that I'm watching for sales. I mean, obviously, I can't be a QU dealer, but I watch for the sales on QU when those guys are wanting something there. Or, yeah. You know, just kind of keep track of stuff for guys. That's why I had to limit it to a membership. But And I same thing with the hunting. I, I went to Mongolia the first time in 2006 with my bow and arrow, hunted 12 days, never launched an arrow, probably still the best one I've ever been on in my life. Loved yeah. it. You know, came back and a couple guys asked about that hunt. And I went on a couple other mountain hunts in Asia and pretty soon guys were asking me to help them figure out a hunt or go with them on a hunt. And we started hosting hunts and going on hunts and it just kind of morphed itself into that. And I, I love going over there. So my problem is like I book guys, I want to go with everybody and I yeah. just can't, but my thing is I just refuse to send guys to places I haven't been or refuse to send guys to something. I don't know. I don't know a place intimately, or I can't tell them, Hey, this is the guy that's going to pick you up at the airport. This is the color van you're going to get into yeah. to go to the hotel. Yep. And then, you know, I want to, cause we're not going to prove anything. I get guys in the booth all the time and their wife comes up and like my wife, my husband is not going to a stand country. And I'm like, I get it. I get it hundred percent, but I got, I got two kids and a wife I dearly love. We're not trying to go prove anything. We're not trying to be someplace we're not supposed to be. We're, we're trying to hunt animals and have fun. If it was dangerous, I wouldn't go. Yeah. I'm not trying to prove anything. Yeah. You know, so it's, it, it's the, some of the places sound scary, but they're, they're totally safe or we wouldn't go. Yeah. You know, and, and the, the Ibex are just so much fun to see because it's just so foreign to us. And of course these Marco Polo sheep, you know, they look like UFOs standing out there with, you know, five yeah. feet of horn hanging off each side of their head. They're just, they're just awesome. That, so that, it's, you guys it's have been doing tur stuff too, haven't you? Yeah, big time. I love the tur. The tur are, you know, and of course, like a Grand Slam, they 
they count for both sheep and goat, and that turns into a whole nother controversy. But I'll tell you, until you hunt one, they kind of look like a sheep. They act like a goat. I, I don't know what the heck they are. I guess scientifically, by DNA, they're a goat, they're a capra. But they are pretty cool critters. Wow. I don't care what we call them. You know, that's, they're just, they're awesome to hunt. They live in just incredibly beautiful country, rough, rough mountains, the Caucasus Mountains running through Azerbaijan off through Georgia into Russia, you know, and they're, it, they're a lot like the Wrangles. Yeah. A lot of places where they're flat on top, super steep. So, you know, we get to hunt them early, starting June 1st. So you're there in the summertime. It's just beautiful green, you know, it's just gorgeous country and it's high, it's 10, 11,000 feet. So there's still a lot of a lot of snow and ice up there you know it's still it's yeah. not springtime but it's still early early summer there's still a lot of snow around on that early season it's just a lot of fun and they're neat people they're hard working like it's just fun to be in the back country baku is a neat little city to fly into that whole part of the world like getting in into flying through istanbul and getting to baku and just being exposed to all that especially for people who haven't they get to see it firsthand and meet the people and realize we're you know we're all just people. We're all just trying to make a living. We're all trying to, and I realize there's, you know, the, the, I understand the, the whole Muslim thing, but there's a billion Muslims out there. And if 1% of them are bad or extreme, that's a bunch of them. Yeah. They're not all that way. Yeah. You know, one of my best friends is Muslim. I mean, that's just it. You know, my partner, Asif is Muslim. And a lot of people are surprised to find that out and he'll, he'll just go off and disappear. Yeah. Like what happened to Asif? Well, he went, he went to go pray. You know, he's not trying to put it in your face. He's not, He's not doing whatever. He just believes in his faith and he's off to do it. Yep. He's not, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to wear a vest with a bomb on it. He's not yeah. coming after your children. Yeah. He's not, <laughs> they're, they're not all that way. No. You know, just like any of us, not all, not all hunters or, and I would say very few are bloodthirsty freaks, you know, not, no, no group of people is all bad or all good. Just like nope. we talked about the, the hunting groups here in the state, you know, and it, it, nobody should be judged. Nobody should be judged period. until somebody, has walked a mile in their boots or, or understands where they're coming from, or at least done a little bit of research. Yeah. And that's kind of the cool part about this traveling is, is and it's, it's fun to take these guys over because everybody kind of gets their eyes opened and the guys love the traveling just as much as the hunting. And yep. it's, you know, we spend, we always spend a couple of days in town getting to know the place, you know, and that's, that's a big part of the adventure. And it is for me too. I've come to love that part almost as much as being in the mountains. And it's always fun to go in new mountains, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah, so you ever see? And I'm still like, in half. Oh, sorry. go ahead. I was gonna say, you ever you ever see thing? You know, like I imagine going to some of those mountain ranges, like you see things that you catch yourself feel thinking you're you're home, and then you see something like totally out of. <laughs> I could see myself being up in the mountains, like thinking, "Oh man, we're like in, you know, like part of the Wrangles or the Chugach or something." Then see this goofy ass looking animal, <laughs> be like, "Whoa." Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I've been, been a few places done. Actually, uh, we're in Russia, uh, Kubinter hunting and up in the mountains. And they're a lot like Chugash on that end, like glaciated big trees, like crawl through some gnarly stuff, getting to the top. And, you know, we're up there glassing and there was a yak, you know, I felt like, just like you said, I kind of felt like I was home for a little bit. I was back in 14 C or something and look over and here's a yak a wild yak up in one of the high bowls looking back at me. I was like, huh, never see that at home. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of wild. Yeah. It's, and they're, you know, so I, I'm still in halfway decent shape. So I, some of those places, a lot of the guys that can afford to go are older guys or guys at the end of their hunting, Yeah, you know, so they, they don't, 
they're not as mobile. So they go to play, you know, there's a lot of those places guys go to the same spot with horses or places they can access and there's good animals there. That's the one fun part about Asia too. There's just, there's just tons of animals. Like most of these hunts are hundred percent success because oh, there's nice. just so many animals, Yeah, you know, and that, that's the fun part too. Like you get to see a lot and if a guy misses or makes a mistake, then, you know, there's other, you're going to have other opportunities. I remember yeah. the first time I missed a doll shoot, I thought it was the end of the world. Like I was never going to see another one, you know, and end up killing one a couple of days later. Yeah, me too. The, just, first, the first one. I'm looking, I'm in my office right now. No, I'm not looking at him because he's in the house right now. This one, <laughs> it was the first sheep I missed. And it was the first sheep I'd ever gone after that I didn't get the first stock. But, you know, and it was a complete freaking meltdown. I missed him five times. It was... My excuse was that my uh, I had those EL ranges, and they didn't come set up to account for angle. This is my excuse, just what I'm saying. Um, I shot right over this sheep's back five times, and I'm like, trust the gun, trust the gun. You know, and, and he got away, and it ended up, it was just a meltdown and end of the world type thing. Well, I ended up finding and killing that sheep like two or three days later, so I know what you mean, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I had had one last year. I had a, a client miss a a pretty good ibex at like a hundred yards the very first day, oh. and we went back the next day, and he was he was in a nasty spot. And the client was like, "Oh, go ahead and kill him. We'll find another one." And I killed him, and he was, I mean, a really really good ibex. Well, he ended up shooting one almost exactly the same size the next day. Oh, nice. So it's you know it's it, yeah it and you know I can get real hippie on you real quick with uh you know whatever's supposed to happen is just going to happen we we can try as hard as we want for all this stuff we're just not it's it's not really in our control most of the time i don't think (laughs) yeah the cards are dealt we're we're just we're just now getting to see them oh yeah well i mean kind of like that the ram i got last year down in the toke you know that was they just literally i had just got to the top of the saddle and they literally just walked up on me from the other side of the saddle and laid down and i mean had it was a little bit of tension there for for a bit but that was basically all it was i can't say i did anything other than climb to the top of the hill you know not knowing what was on the other side of it <laughs> but uh yeah hunting and that's that's one of the cool things about hunting you just never know what's going to happen how quick things can turn around you know it can be looking pretty damn grim and then you know the last hour of your hunt you get an opportunity just falls right in front of you and that's what I tell guys all the time. When you get out of that super cub or you, you get off in the mountains, you're in sheep country. Anything could happen at any minute. Like, yep. don't just bail out of the tent and not be paying attention because there could be one standing right there. You just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But uh, but once, you, once you've done the work to get there, the hunt's on. That's, that is the cool part about sheep hunting. Yep. Yep. I'm really looking forward to seeing seeing how many close calls I can get with my bow this year. I think, it, uh, you know, it's it's a balance to a staying positive and knowing that anything can happen. And, like, you know, I'm trying not to get too, like, too confident. But there's there's going to be a balance, and it could happen the first stock. But I figure if I can get one shot off that this season that I feel really good about, regardless of whether some factor, you know, whether it wherever the arrow hits, if I can get one shot off that I feel good about, really confident about, then that's a win. Absolutely, 
absolutely. And that's exactly what I was talking about. Design that, you know, defining a successful hunt earlier, you know, yeah. that's, that is an absolute terrific goal to go in thinking and it, and it's, it's attainable, but it's not going to be easy, you know, and that's, I've, I've bowed a sheep quite a few times and it's a blast. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a whole different experience yeah. than, than going, and I love hunting them with a muzzleloader or love hunting them with any way we can hunt them, but hunting them with a bow is definitely different. It's definitely, you know, it's, it's special and it, you're going to, you're going to learn some things about sheep and learn some things about yourself. And that's really what it's all about. Yep. Yep. That's the truth. It's kind of uncharted, uncharted, anytime you get uncharted territory, you know, you get a little, get a little anxious and I'm definitely feeling that, but, uh, wish I, I honestly, yeah. it's funny. I, most guys are, you know, a lot of guys are all jacked up about it and I am, but I'm like, man, I really could use another month <laughs> to mentally prepare myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it sneaks up on you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's I'm always that way. I don't care. Even, I mean, we we knew last August we were going to go this August, so it's our fault. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, man, you know, I, I've had several years to prepare for this and <laughs> haven't done it. But uh, yeah. no, it's going to be. Good. I can't. I can't wait to see how. I can't wait to see how it turns out. And I know you'll document it well, like you always do. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully, it's it's of interest anyway. <laughs> It's the the funny thing, like as a from a writer's perspective, it's like, you know, and, and everyone understand, you know, like the editors and stuff understand this. It's like, well, you know, if I go and, you know, have a bunch of close calls, you know, maybe a good story to me. But and that's that's ultimately what, you know, I'm hunting for myself. I'm not hunting for the story. So whatever happens, happens. But, uh, yeah, it's just kind of stepping out there, taking the ne- the next step. So it'll be. It'll be fun. It's just one of the, I keep saying this too, it's one of the few things hunting-wise that I can't imagine how awesome that'll feel once I finally do it. Yep, absolutely, but, absolutely. Yeah, um, anyway, enough about me. I guess before we go, you got any uh, just kind of standard fall plans for you, sheep hunting, caribou hunting, moose hunting type stuff? Yeah, uh, just sheep here, and then I'm I'm actually, and I hate doing it, you know, but I'm going to be gone September and part of October to Kyrgyzstan with some ibex hunts. We we got a good area with some really, really, really big ibex, and I got ten guys that are in shape. So we're going to go see if we can't kill a couple giants. So I'm, I mean, I'm nice. going to love being over there. I just I always just curse myself for planning being out of state in September, you know. But that's yeah. it, it is what it is. That's I'm just going to go enjoy myself over there and hopefully get some guys on some animals of their lifetime. And like I say, I, this first group is, is four young Kiwi guys and a, and a guy from here and they're all young, tough guys. So I'm hoping we're going to get up there and, and get a couple of absolute hammers killed, nice. ha- have some fun. And then, uh, let's see, I got, oh, I got a goat hunt later in the fall and then I'm going to Tajikistan in uh, December with some guys. Nice. So that'll be fun. Yeah. Tajikistan's be- always fun. And, it, you know, and I, and everybody else is eating or hanging out. I'm always behind camp fondling the horn piles. I'm yeah. pretty bad about it. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's plenty of horn piles over there. So I stay in trouble. Yep. Yep. I can hear, I hear you there, but, uh, well, cool, man. Yeah. Well, um, what's your, uh, what's your website for Captivate em? It's Captivate em. It's Captivate with an M on the end. CaptivateEmOutdoors.com. Cool. And uh, there's lots of our hunt stuff on there. Like I say, and at this point, we're focusing on members. But if anybody ever wants to ask any questions, call. My number's on there somewhere. Call, text, email. 
and I, uh, I'd be happy to talk to you about hunting or gear or whatever. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, it's been a while coming, but we'll de- I'll definitely have to have you back on here. It's your first, well, you listened to one podcast in your life so far. Now you've been on one. So, uh, it's been great catching up with you and, uh, you know, always good. I always enjoy BSing with you. Absolutely. Thanks, bud. Um, from a hunter standpoint and an Alaskan standpoint, we really appreciate what you do and how you represent us. So keep going. Yeah, no problem. I'm doing, I ain't perfect, but I'm doing my best. So, <laughs> well, you're being, you're being Tyler and that's what we all need. Yep. Sounds good, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> all right, bud. All right. Well, thanks a bunch. And, uh, listeners, if you, uh, if you enjoy the podcast, I appreciate you leaving a good review on, on, uh, iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. And, uh, even better would be uh, to have your support on uh, patreon.com slash Tundra Talk. Um, podcast ain't free to make, and uh, your support there really helps me keep it going. So uh, definitely appreciate that. And if you have any comments or questions, you can email podcast at tundratalkak.com. Thanks.